Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us here another episode of Doctor Homebrew. Today is all about Brian Cooper. It's not his birthday. It's not his wedding anniversary. Brian has brewed two beers, and he has given up judging duties to let everybody else judge his his little tiny homebrews. His little baby homebrews. They're in two-ounce bottles. Taking off my judging hat here. (laughs) And putting on your taster hat. Cooper, thanks for submitting yourself on the rack that is Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> the rack is right. <laughs> the Iron Maiden, maybe more appropriately. Yes. Iron Maiden? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but before we dismantle thoroughly the brewer formerly known as Brian Cooper, I want to remind you guys about Five Star Chemicals. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com right now and learn the best ways to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment. Your fermentation equipment, your bottles, your kegs, your carbonation stuff, all of that junk that you use to make beer with can be cleaned and sanitized thoroughly by Five Star Chemicals. Go to fivestarchemicals.com right now, learn all about that stuff, and then while you're there, sign up for their new homebrew club program. Fivestarchemicals.com slash homebrew hyphen club hyphen program. They're going to throw out discounts on PBW. Uh, they're going to let you know if they're going to be testing out new products and you can uh, sign up to do that before they're even on the market. Uh, free educational sessions uh, every month to up to your uh, up your home brewing game. You got uh, free swag, discounts, all that kind of stuff. So check them out. Five Star Chemicals Homebrew Club program. Go sign up right now. It's really easy. All right. Cooper. Okay. What mess and, are we? And, what mess are we going to get into first? Well, I, I've brewed one of your favorite styles. I know JP uh, water and that is the uh, oh. uh, the twenty one C hazy IPA <sighs> that is now an official style in the BGCP guidelines. Because um, I know you love them so much. They'll make anything a style these days. I swear to God. Mm. You want to be a style? You. you can be a style. You can be a style. I won't tell you anything about it yet. I will just have you judge it as a hazy IPA. Please. Okay. All right. And it's Brian and Harindu judging, huh? And you, and you, JP. Well, I'm not really going to. And then later in the show, we're going to get to my sour that I brewed with my buddy, Eric, who's also here with us. All so, right, uh, Eric, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Well, you know what? I will say, uh, Brian, right off the top, I popped the cap. I didn't hear a hiss. I <laughs> That's 20 points I, off right I, I there. Made a, I made a note on my score sheet. No hiss on opening. <laughs> that, that, fucking... There's no bottle variation on that. That's in the actual fermenter. Dab right. on his ass. All right, Char. Well, look, with that, you get to go first. All right. So I can just denigrate and uh, belittle my my friend and co-host, Brian. That's true. Please do. Please yeah. do. All right. Now, you, you are Treat a him like a normal a guest brewer. on Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so, with Brian, are you in a homebrew club? Why, yes, I founded a club <laughs> called the Mad Zymergists, and I'm the current vice president. And we are located in the Tri-Valley area in the Eastern Bay uh, region of, of uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, California. So anyone around this area that wants to join and learn something about brewing, they go should join go to Doe's. Club Doe's. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> do you, do Damn, you have Brian, a I got off the same joke at the your, same uh, time. Your club? 
madzymergists.com. Right. Um, it used to be .org, but they didn't like that as much, and .com became more was more popular from the beginning. But I just nice. thought .org was more appropriate. And when I was running things, I, it was a .org. Damn it! Mm. But don't you go to .org because we just killed it. Yeah, you had a real good elevator pitch there, and there was a good joke at the end. And I just want to acknowledge that uh, <laughs> that probably everyone that comes on the show should have an elevator pitch like that ready for their club and ready to uh, to plug their pluggable for their uh, website and competitions and everything else. So. Listeners, think about that. There you go. Uh, it's from the heart, but we do love our, our little club, and we've got a good group of people. Um, we've survived the pandemic by having great people on, you know, Palmer, uh, Chef, and, you know, uh, Pink Boots founder Terry Farndorf was on. Annie came on. Oh, nice. Like, I have so many awesome people on. I haven't been on. I don't understand. Or I, I me, thought we invited you. Brian. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Char and I <laughs> haven't been on. What's going on? Yeast, yeast people and hops people. It was just, it was fun in its own way. And I kind of miss that part of the pandemic, but I don't miss the pandemic part. No, that's, that's a good lockdown part. Yeah. Get, get your vaccine, get your boosters people. All right. So the aroma, uh, I, I love the aroma on this beer. It was very high level of new world hops and it's kind of juicy quote unquote. And what I thought was interesting as it warmed up is there was, a sort of a medium low level of danky that I didn't get when it was cold. And the dank kind of comes out as, as it warms up, which it's like West side it's dank. It's uh, what we, what we got over here. Jesus. So uh, no, no off aromas. Like if anyone not watching this on Facebook or YouTube is not watching JP shake his head at my old man uh, rendering of like West side. So um, aroma was good. Nine out of 12. I really enjoyed that uh, appearance. Three out of three. Uh, golden color it's hazy uh, on purpose uh, low head is very persistent uh, so it's exactly what it should be uh, flavor initially the flavor is of course high hop flavor and let me just have a, a two seconds of dead air while I sip it again yes please let's do that because <laughs> that's what's better for a podcast than someone listening to somebody drink uh, you know it's wow it's still very high hop flavor uh, followed almost immediately by a very high hot bitterness. Uh, there's low malt in the background. There's certainly malt there, but it's taking the it's taking second place, second fiddle, like it should be in this style. Uh, the hot flavor is kind of my notes are citrus, but again, as it warms, I get uh, probably equal amount of dank flavor from that. Uh, the, the hop flavor is very high. The balance is, of course, toward hop flavor. It's well attenuated. The bitterness doesn't really go away. So the finish is long and kind of has imbalance toward hop flavor and hop bitterness. So flavor was 12 out of 20. Uh, Mouthfeel, and I probably should have come up a couple of points on that. I'm going to come up. We're having some live homebrew judging here, people. I'm coming up to 14 on that. So it's going to affect. Just because I'm giving you the eye right now on the Zoom call here. Yeah. Because Cooper's like. God damn it. I gave you, I, I made arrangements to give you stuff this weekend to take to your house. So this is how you repay me. And uh, mouthfeel body is medium, uh, low carbonation. Uh, it's slightly warming. Uh, I wouldn't say it's creamy or astringent. Five out of five. Overall impression, I gave it a seven for a total of 38 out of 50, which puts it in the territory of excellent. Uh, I like this IPA a lot. And I like the, uh, what to me kind of comes across as a combination of New England IPA and West Coast IPA. It's got the haze, 
it's not sludgy. You know, it's hazy. Uh, you know, I'll be curious if you use like oats or something like that or wheat. It's got the haze character. It's got the uh, little bit of malt character. The malt character kind of gets overshadowed by the bitterness because it's got West Coast IPA bitterness, which I like. Uh, one of the things I, I had a, a former coworker who was from New England, uh, Connecticut, and he'd go back home like every couple of months. And whenever he'd come back, he'd bring like a freaking case of like Treehouse and other beers from breweries that in like, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, we'd never heard of, but that are now like really popular. And it was like before New England IPA became a, a thing. Um, and some of the, like from Treehouse in particular, I recall, they were a little hazy. They weren't sludgy. They were hazy, but they weren't without bitterness. They had like a firm, bitter backbone. And this reminds me of kind of some of those early 2010s uh, Treehouse beer. Sort of learning about uh, Hazy IPA. So uh, I think that the bitterness does push this maybe a little out of style. Uh, and maybe we need to have a new category of you know, national IPA or unity IPA or something where we have like West Coast and New England come together to you know, be in harmony. Uh, but I, I think it, it's no. a great combination, but it doesn't quite fit in either category. But still an excellent for that is a good score. And uh, thank you for sharing your beer with us. All right. Very thank good. Harindu. All right. I think Brian Sharp scored all, all of my points. I mean, uh, I just opened it up, so I don't have a full score sheet. But uh, uh, this is a delicious beer <clears throat> as it is. Uh, only issue I have is, I guess at this point, is with the style guideline itself. <laughs> when it said New England IPA, it was very clear that it was New England IPA, which is maybe a better name for that would have been a juicy IPA if they didn't want to be regional, identify regions and stuff. Uh, so what Branshaw exactly said, I mean, I kind of feel that it is a little more classic, a little piney bitterness uh, in the in the flavor. Uh, aromatics are uh, citrus skin, uh, grainy. I got light level of dankness, uh, guava and strawberry in the in the aroma, but uh, not too much in the flavor. Flavor is more West Coast IPA. And then when you look at IPA guidelines, right? I mean, IPAs could be hazy. So this is that's true yeah hop, hop <laughs> haze is allowed hop haze is allowed so. yeah, it's funny. the, the po polyphenol haze is a hell of a lot different haze <sighs> than new england ipa haze but still it's it, it's, it contributes it's part part of the whole appearance it's not yeah. the whole thing but i this get what is you're like saying. A, a forced permanent chill haze basically <laughs> <laughs> so like I, i've been to freehouse and trillium and you know a lot of other uh, breweries out there on the new england area and then the, the key distinction that I learned by tasting their beers was that these are super juicy beers. They shouldn't probably even be called IPAs. They're, they're juicy pale ales, probably. I don't know. Yes. The, the whole naming thing has to somehow fix itself. Agreed. <laughs> and, and, you know, they have bitterness, but bitterness is just there to support the juiciness, almost like, you know, it, it, they, they are so smooth and easy drinking versus the classic hop uh, flavors that you get from the from American or the IPA uh, American IPAs uh, is is more classic piney uh, bitterness 
And this one kind of skirts the border of the two um, and the aroma has more juiciness than the flavor. Um, but now I'm all confused about the name itself and it's, it's hazy IPA. Definitely it's a hazy IPA. Is it supposed to be juicy? It's not juicy enough, but um, maybe the guideline says it's, it's fine. So <laughs> anyway, I scored it 38. So <laughs> nice job, guys. You guys are locked in tonight. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll echo a lot of what everyone else has said. It, I think it's too bitter for the style, but also the commercial examples that I have had are sort of leaning that way anyways. It's sort of what crappers do is just try to overbitter shit, and then someone realizes, hey, maybe we shouldn't, and then the pendulum comes back the other way to loggers, which is really IBU, just the natural baby. place. 100 IBU. Yeah, no, this is not. Yeah, this is not hundred IBU. I mean, this is not that bitter, but it just. I, just I'm, I'm just being bitter so than the juicy IPAs, right? <laughs> I mean, it's at, at, for me, it's it's pretty bitter. Um, but again, I don't really drink these beers at all, so you know, whatever. I I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but it, honestly, I think this is, this is more than firmly, but this is a very highly. It's super. This is, I say this is West Coast IPA bitter. This is West Coast IPA bitter from the '90s, and I and I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, this is like this is more bitter than an IPA has been in ten years. There is that the fair <laughs> amount of like you know kind of woody character. Um, it is very well brewed. I think it it smells good. Um, you know when you drink it, you you know it's a hazy IPA. But it is I think on the extreme side of hazy IPA. It's maybe like a hazy double IPA. I'm trying to incite a uh, an IBU race among hazy IPAs now. You know that's that's yeah. the next phase. It has to be. Right? Good luck, man. These beers, in my opinion, these beers work better with lower ABV or and I mean I lower lower IBUs. Um, yeah. You know, and I sort think- of echoing what Harindu was saying. This is what I've been saying forever. It should don't call it IPA. That's what that's what I have issue with. It's not an IPA because IPA is already styled. Their guidelines are already set. Call it something else. Let's make a new thing for it. But if you call it hazy IPA, it's not. Re- it, that's not what it is. Right. Well, it's all marketing, right? If they call yeah. it IPA and then keep putting uh, adjectives in front of it, then it sells. Right. That's so there's cold exactly. IPA. They, yeah. Same with the cold IPA. Cooper, cold IPA yeah. is a lager, but nobody wants to call it a lager. So people want to buy IPAs, so call it a cold IPA. But it's also not a lager. I mean, it's it's a lagered. Yeah. It's it's a colder beer. It's not really a lager. Uh, uh, Sully made one. It's good. I've I've had a couple. I had two. They've been good. I can it's see like it. A, it's like a tasty slash Narzis method where you kind of ferment it, you know, start cold and warm it up. Right, and it uses adjuncts like the classic American beers did, with you know, you know, use some corn or rice to lighten up the body instead of just sugars, like yeah. you do in some IPAs. Yeah, uh, the concept yeah, is. Yeah, the yeah concept I, mean, I is honestly there, think that they should have just called it juicy pale ale instead of calling you know, <laughs> New England IPA or whatever. Right? I mean, yeah, juicy ale. I mean, I don't know, hazy ale. Herendu, there's a reason why people like you and me don't get to pick names of stuff because <laughs> I think you're better at it than me, but like. We have brains, but marketing brain is totally different. And it's valuable and it's important, but oh my God, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. JP, you're like the marketing guy here. I am. That's true. No, it's a terrible right. name. Terrible name. But, you know, but he, he's the IPA <laughs> does sort of roll off the tongue. I get it. But anyway, the point is, it's sort of a hazy IPA on steroids, Cooper. Uh, yeah, I, actually, I actually don't think it's 90s style, arrogant bastard, West Coast IPA. It's, it's somewhere in the middle, kind of. It's not really that far off. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, the only IPA I drink on a regular basis is Celebration Ale. So I'm <laughs> I'm way skewed on anything. To me, that's too bitter. To me, that's too much. Interesting. Yeah, it's very, very aggressive for me. I, but that's why it's that's why everyone has their own preferences, right? That's exactly. Like, that's why my, my wife hates beer in part because she hates any kind of bitterness or like roast roasted stuff. Yeah. She hates coffee for the same reason. At the smallest threshold of bitterness, she's like, I'm out. And everyone's got that threshold and it's different for everybody. Right. Uh, Cooper, let's talk about your beer here, friend. Okay. Um, does this have, so a, this does this have a, a name? It's a. I'm calling it Slazy Slazy Hazy. So I was I was brewing a, I was what, too what? too late. Uh, just S apostrophe Lazy Hazy. It's a Lazy Hazy. I oh, don't not know. like so like Silesia from or Poland. like Slazy. I thought hazy. you were going for like a Polish yeah. thing. All right. I don't know what Slazy, I was going for. Lazy Hazy. It was it was very late at night when I finished brewing this, so I had to name it something, and I just whatever. I was tired. Hey man. Um, but yeah, I, I I wanted to brew. So the the Mads Armor just had brought back the in club competitions, and I wanted to brew a beer for that. So you know a a month and a half or so before that, I I, I made a yeast starter. I'm like, well, of course, if I make a yeast starter, I will be forced to brew this weekend. Then I made it on like a Thursday. I got it going, and um, you you learned something about yourself then. And the you? thing. The other thing is the yeast I had around. So I had a London three save that I wanted to use to make a hazy and it, it, it didn't look that, that lively. And then I had a, um, a, a US ale yeast two that was also in the fridge and they were both kind of past their dates. So I put them in with a proper starter shake start and um, just let it go. And it didn't really do too much. And I was like, well, and then I got to the weekend and I was just too busy to even think about brewing. And then it didn't happen. So I just put it in the fridge. Um, and then like, okay, I'll just brew the next weekend. So I poured off the the wort and I got ready to brew the next weekend. And then I I I you know I put in another can of proper, another bottle of water, and just got shook it up a little bit and got it going again. And um and then I, I turned on my Pico brew and I hadn't used it in a while, the Pico Brew Z. And um I like went to the Pico Brew website and it was the first time I'd seen the warning. Do not enter this site. It's dangerous. You may get, you know, uh, your ass handed to you by a, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, right. Somebody that does bad things on the internet. Anyway. Um, a furry. So I was like, okay, that's weird. I can't brew with my Pico Z now because it had worked always before. But it's just like, uh, okay. So I was talking to my buddy John later. I didn't brew, brew that weekend. I'm talking to my buddy John later whenever I had a beer at his place. And um, he's like, and he owns a, a, you know, a website. I mean, this is a long story, but yeah, so, what do you, oh, how, where does this have to do with through, whatever? <laughs> so he's like, I'm, I'm like, okay. So I went on my phone. I could just click through, change the security settings a little bit. And nobody's going to steal my Pico Brew password and get my bank accounts and it's a different password anyway. So, um, yeah, it's, but, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. instead of password, username, SSWORD, everything. Yeah. So whatever. So I, I went on, on my phone, like, okay, I can see my brew system. I can see that. So I did, then the next weekend I did the same thing. I, I poured off the work, did another starter on the Thursday or whatever. So the starter was like, I, I probably way over pitched because by the, the starter was getting happy. Like with each successive time, this dead, probably dead yeast that wouldn't have done much that first weekend was really lively all of a sudden. And I just, you know, it was so a blend. I thought, well, 
I kind of like the idea of blending the London three with the Mer- clean American yeast and just maybe get kind of a, you know, slightly cleaner profile, a little bit of that, that London three character too, just for fun. Yeah. Um, so, so I brewed and I, I got it going. Um, I kind of used what I, what I had around, but uh, this is a two and a half gallon batch on the Pico Brew Z. I did three pounds of American two row pale, um, one pound of flaked oats, uh, half a pound of torrified wheat. I kind of like the torrified wheat because all the starches are just exploded and it's unmalted wheat. You can use malted wheat or you can use raw wheat, but um, you know, this really, uh, I don't know, it's just all those starches get in there. And it, it helps. So I, I, I did also, uh, in addition to the three pounds of American two row pale, I used four, just a touch over four pounds. I just finished my bag of Simpsons golden promise that I had around four pounds and a, an ounce. Um, so yeah, mostly just pale malts and oats and wheat and whatever percentages those are. Um, and I used a half a pound of rice holes with that to help kind of keep it from sticking and getting, <laughs> you know, um, and then water wise, I just used, um, I used like two and a half, uh, gallons of, uh, distilled water. And then I used, um, the balance of water. I think it was like a little over three gallon or three and a half. Uh, let me see. 3.67 gallons of water total. So two and a half of that was distilled water. Then I added five grams of, uh, calcium chloride. I did not add any gypsum or anything. I, I'm sure I get plenty of <laughs> sulfates from my my filtered water from the fridge. It was just kind of a lazy way to do it. Usually I'll filter the water or buy spring water, but I didn't want to do that. I just did it, did it easy and you know, didn't get any big chloramine problem from that. So that's that's good. There was not that, not that much house water in there. So um, that's fine. Um, it was a short boil too. I just did a, it was a 15 minute boil. And that, uh, so at 10 minutes, uh, an ounce of mosaic at five minutes, an ounce of mosaic and at two minutes, an ounce of galaxy. And then, um, I did a whirlpool where I added another ounce of galaxy and with the Pico brew, it runs through all the hops that are in there. At that point, it starts with the first goes to the second, like all those are in the kettle goes to the third, then goes to the fourth. So all those four ounces of hops in a two and a half gallon batch were whirlpooled for um, 30 minutes at uh, I believe it was 175. Yeah. 175 for 30 minutes. And um, yeah, it's, I, by the time I got to cleaning my system and getting it all working, it was like very late in the day when I started the batch and it like, I, I fell asleep and it went and, my wife woke me up. Something's beeping, and you know, like two in the morning or whatever. I came out and finished the batch, and uh-huh. probably you know fell asleep. In, yep, three in the morning. Yeah, no, I was just I was asleep with my kid. <laughs> like yeah, you know, I took him to bed. He pulls me to sleep all the time. It's it's what happens. But um, so she woke me up in his room. Oh hey, something's beeping out there. I'm like oh yeah, I gotta finish that. <laughs> so I was up pretty late. You know, got up and. Uh, Finished it up. And then, um, so I think that, that my critical mistake that where I'm meeting some of that bitterness is for some reason in the Pico brew, um, and I cleaned everything before I used it, but in the back, and I think it was just cause I had so much hot matter in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I ended up with a lot of wort that was in the in the hop cages there. And at two in the morning, my dumb brain is just like, well, I don't want to waste that. So I dumped it into a sanitized pitcher and dumped it into the uh, fermenter along with the rest of the wort and whatever. It'll it'll make beer. It's fine, right? Yeah. And I I think I did in this case I didn't didn't separate out the the, the starter wort. I just dumped everything in from that too, and I figured it would kind of even out. But do you think um, that, do you think that's why it was sort of like a ag- more aggressively bitter? I mean, what do you think of the bitterness? That's sort of like the predominant yeah, characteristic. It, it's a pretty it's a pretty intense bitterness, but it's not overpowering. I kind of like it that way. Okay. Um, you seem like that guy that would like it's it not that the way. softest. I like I like the bitterness in it, but I might lighten it up the next time. Um. But yeah, I, I wanted to just dry hop with a metric ton of, of mosaic and Australian galaxy at high croissant on this. So, um, you know, the work tasted okay. Uh, I've, I've had rough luck. This is the first hoppy beer that I've made on the, on the Pico Bruzee that I've been really happy with. So I, I have trouble getting it hoppy enough with, if you're just brewing IPA with just beer and the, you know, hops in the hop cages, maxing them out and doing mostly late hops and even whirlpooling, I've never gotten to this point where I've had like really good results. And I feel like this time I got it. And I think that the difference was partially that I just needed to dry hop more. So I, I used, uh, I was like, Oh, I'll do a couple ounces mosaic and galaxy in it. Uh, and they're both really good smelling hops. I had in my freezer. Um, and I just upped it to two and a half each. So I did five ounces of, dry hops in a two and a half gallon batch that would be 10 ounces off in a five gallon batch wow dude and i just it had so much hot matter in there it was just green and it was thick layer of green in there and i went in and and um a lot of times too in the the pico batches you ferment them in the kegs and i i kind of stopped trusting that too a little bit with everything that's in the kegs yeah there's hot liquid flowing through them but i just used a really good sanitized carboy and also uh, my friend Keith, who used to be on the show, by the way, and um, he's he talked about with with beers that are sensitive to oxidation. He um, he thinks that star sand kind of sometimes does have an oxidative effect, which isn't going to be pronounced in most beers. But like if you have you know a no rinse sanitizer and you just leave it there, mm-hmm. um, that you could in a very sensitive beer like this that's going to turn brown at the hint of a little tiny bit of oxidation it's you know that effect might be enough to make it start to turn a little bit south i don't know if that's true or not but i actually rinsed the carboy with um with clean um uh distilled water just out of a distilled water bottle and just shook it around dumped it out that's going to be clean yeah i mean i'm sure it's i'm sure it's fine it's i mean minimal. i think like with, I with any beer you know you 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 can put beer on the foam yeah um, but you know, there's, yeah. it, it's also fine to let it sit and drain out a little bit. Um, but if, you know, if you're worried about that, yeah, you can definitely do that. So it's, I, yeah, I got paranoid about oxidation. And I, I you sure. know, some people don't even like to dry hop these after high croissant. But um, yeah, I, so I brewed it on the 29th. I dry hopped on the 31st and it was already starting to come down. It was a little wow. past high croissant. I brewed this beer in nine days from the fermenter wow. to the keg. Um, it was done and it, from, it, it started at 1057, finished at 1012. It's about a 6% or maybe that, 5.9. That's it's, why they're so popular with brewers. 
it's on the light side for for hazy IPA. It's not an IPA. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> these days, yeah, you need to get six eight. But I kind of like that it's light, and maybe that's part of what's accenting the haziness, or the I'm sorry, the bitterness too. But um, I got a really good transfer. I was happy with it. I had a brand new auto siphon, and I kind of used the clip at the top of the thing, like the the chip clip, to get it where I want it. Nice. And uh, hung it in there and got it. And then like just before it starts to do that, <laughs> and I pull the end out of it. I've got a, like a, a wand on the end of my, the tube that comes out so I can pull it instantly out of the, uh, the keg that it's going into. So I got a really good transfer. I was happy with that. It didn't start darkening or anything like that. Well, Filled a small two and a half gallon keg left behind some work. Sometimes I get greedy. I'm, I'm not going to get greedy this time. Those hops were starting to swarm and get ready to go in there. And they'll always clog up my poppets. I didn't want that. So looked nice and hazy like gold. Tasted good. Mouthfeel felt right. Tasty hop character is soft. Just a touch of hop burn, but I like that it doesn't have too much of that. It's I think this recipe is a keeper. I might tweak it a little bit, but any advice, yeah. guys? Yeah. Uh, back down on the bittering hops. Don't dump in that. Yeah. Well, it was only a For 10 me. minute addition, <laughs> but yeah, it was an ounce. Well, you do get some alpha from uh, dry hopping and others also whirlpool. What happened whirlpool. to the whirlpool? I missed that part where you, where you fell asleep and it was still going at 175 for a long time. Was <laughs> No, no, it's uh, the system will just keep, it was, uh, it was cooling. So it was done whirlpooling and I, I set it to cool and then I got the kid to bed. Okay. And um, it just runs and cools, and then it when it's done, it'll kind of beep at you. Uh, so yeah. It so was, it there was wasn't done. any extra time added to that, right? So because if no. you're pulling for longer than that, there's definitely alpha extraction there. And the alpha burn, I don't get that. I mean, again, I know people said a bunch of people here said that it's bitter, but I kind of think it's pretty pleasant. I I, I don't think it is that bitter. And even the alpha burn is is not there. Like you said, hop burn is pretty minimal. I've yeah. seen uh, fresh IPAs that have much higher level of alpha burn. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I mean, right? Like, like Harinda, you're obviously way more uh, exposed to these. You probably go out and order an IPA off the board, right? I don't do that. <laughs> so it, for me, it's like. That's a lot. But you know what I was thinking? Like, I wonder if it is sort of more pronounced because, yes, the system recirculates. But, Brian, you said you had a bunch sitting in your hop baskets. So I wonder if those yeah. were just sitting there in contact with the hops for. That was sitting there in contact with God the knows hops, how long. And yeah. that was after. So at, at what temperature? No, it was a, it was a low temperature by then. But you're right. That was in contact with the hops. And that's, again, where I think my maybe critical flaw, but it made decent beer anyway, was. Um, the other thing I'll say is the my bottling method is leaves a bit to be desired, and I did uh, you know just the bottle wand into the bottles from the keg with a stopper and just kind of did a kind of a pseudo counter pressure fill, but not really. I purged the bottles, everything that I bottled, I purged and um, you know yeah, chilled but, the bottles and just did that. We didn't really say anything about that. Like it's okay, fine, cool. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about it. They said it was a little no hiss when they opened it. That's oh, yeah. Well, you there. know, I already forgot about that. No, yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't get any oxidation effect right now. Maybe, I don't know, a month from now or two months from now, it'll be a yeah. different thing. But right you're, now you're drinking it eight eight days after kegging. So you got you want to drink these fresh. And it's, yeah, I, 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 I kegged it on the 7th. We're on the 15th now. So, yeah. All right. Well, very good, Brian. Is there anything else? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, yeah. you know. 
water wise, I, I just, I, I, I didn't do any calculations on the water, but I had done five, you know, I think four, five, four and a half grams or so of calcium chloride before in, in a hazy, and it seemed like the right amount for the water. But um, okay. that time I just did it with spring water. This time I, I was listening to some YouTube video guy, whatever recommended, mm-hmm. like use some distilled water and, and blend it with spring water or just use distilled water. He just used distilled water, added a bunch of calcium chloride and a little bit of gypsum. And that's all he did to his water. And he made pretty good hazies. It sounded like, so I was like, well, well, sure. You know, What's he I, I do? haven't had good luck so far trying to make hazies and like that one that I was kind of okay, but then yeah, it wasn't the best. Either. What's he going to do? Make a make a YouTube video and get on and be like, yeah, my beer sucks. So listen to me. This will be on YouTube eventually, and maybe somebody will learn something from it. But I don't know. Yeah, don't don't dump the dregs of the yeah uh, don't hop do cages in. That's probably a bad yeah. idea. But no, overall, it's a good recipe, Brian. I think you should do it again and give it to someone else. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to drink more of Brian Cooper's beer here on Dr. Homebrew after this. Uh, don't, uh, don't go anywhere. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. I'm sorry to tell you this. But we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, welcome back, everybody. All right. We are still here with Brian Cooper, who has another beer for us to drink. Brian, what is this? What is this mess you made? Well, this is uh, I co-brewed uh, with, uh, with my friend Eric, who's on with us here. Eric, welcome, dude. All right, how's it going? Eh, Eric has uh, been better. (laughs) Eric's a member of my my homebrew club, and he helped me uh, to modernize our our competition, the uh, uh, Oktoberfest German beers competition. And and instead of doing it on crappy spreadsheets, he actually did it in one of those online ones. Uh, So, yeah, that was cool. Okay. Oktoberfest is a great comp. I love that competition, entering and judging. We're thinking about bringing it back. I still haven't bring registered. Bring it back. Woo-hoo, yeah. Bring it back. There Please. you go. All right. What what beer are we drinking, Brian? We, this is the uh, Consecration Ale clone, and this is um, the third batch of it that I made, uh, but we had done two five-gallon batches of it before. The first time I brewed it, when my wife tasted it, it was so tasty to her that she actually made me Name it after her. So this beer is officially known in my book as Sonia 3. Okay. Uh, there was a Sonia 2 and a Sonia 1. Sure. 
Why there's only one Sonya. Just that's a yeah. Anyway, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we scaled it up to twenty batches. We we brewed up on Eric's uh, tippy dump uh, more beer system there, and uh, uh, had a lot of fun brewing it and uh, and working on it over the years that it took to make it. Mm-hmm. It is um, you know it started as the first time I brewed it was the the more beer uh, sells the version and you know Russian River releases their um, recipe basically. So it is the 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 Russian river consecration ale clone beer, uh, the official, but we've, I've done okay. it since we didn't rebuy the thing. We just, I brewed the same basic recipe and used the, the little chunk of consecration Oak barrel you get in it. But anyway, I shouldn't give too many details before you guys just judge it, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, very good. It's the recipe. All right, let's do it. Harindu. Why don't you lead us off here? Young man. He doesn't have the beer. He doesn't have the beer. Good lord! How rude to you, JP. Oh no, it's not up to me. I'm not doing that. Brian Shar. Oh yes. Yeah. So let's go, buddy. I, Brian Cooper, are you in a home break? Just <laughs> so uh, this is. I noticed you entered this as a category 28C American Wild Ale, rather than the category. I always. I. I, I have never known the numbers, and I swear to God, I never will. Uh, there's a category number for specific clones of a particular beer. So after I judge this, I'll be curious to chat with you about why why you did that when you're trying to clone consecration. Uh, okay. But this is a 28C American Wild Ale. The aroma, uh, I got a high level of complex aroma, lactic, uh, Brett Funk, fruit. It came across like cherry to me, uh, low wood. Uh, you know, really great. No off aromas, 10 out of 12 for aroma. Uh, a beer like this, whether you're trying to clone consecration or not, should have a big complex aroma. And, and this one does. Appearance, three out of three. Uh, it's cherry red. Maybe this one made me think about cherry wood. Was this the kind of, uh, it's too dark in my ro- the room here. It's coming across more brown, but it's more of a, a cherry red. Very clear. Uh, low head settles quickly, and it's okay for style. Uh, again, three out of three. Flavor. Initially, the flavor is intensely sour, and kind of fruity at a medium level, which comes across as kind of a cherry or maybe a red wine grape. Uh, mid-palate, sour still dominates. Uh, malt is there, but at a very low level. Uh, it's clearly very well attenuated. Uh, the finish is, lo- finish is long and balanced towards sour. Uh, gave it a, a 16. Mouthfeel, 5 out of 5. Low body, low carbonation. Some warming. It's more astringent than creamy, but it's not astringent, if that makes sense. It's the uh, the sourness. Uh, overall impression, gave it an 8 for a total of 42, which is excellent. This is a real kind of rip-your-face-off sour beer, uh, like in the in the, mo- the mold of like a Cantillon or a, a Russian River uh, that's intended to be really sour. Uh, the sourness, though, it's not one-dimensional. It's interesting because there's clearly lactic. There's clearly Brett Funk. Uh, there's more to it than just, oh, someone dumped a bunch of lactic acid in some word. Uh, the, the sourness is complex and interesting itself. Uh, it does dominate the entirety of this beer, though. So to me, it, it, I gave it a very high score. Uh, for anything to do to maybe change it in the future, maybe blend it with something else. I mean, when you get into sours, you kind of get into blending and 
you know, it, it's hard to figure out when you're over 40 how to make it better, but it's already really damn good. But uh, it's real tasty, and I, I'm going to finish this bottle uh, before I go to bed. <laughs> Thank you for oh, sharing. Well, there you go. What did you score it? Oh, 42. 42. Wow. Simp. Simping well, I, for Cooper. I, I, know it's, I know it's Cooper, and, you know, he's a good guy. He's a friend. And, you I'll know. turn off my camera if my image on the screen is too <laughs> no, intimidating. If, even if it weren't Cooper, I'd give this, this a 42. I like this a lot. Thank you. I love, I love sour beer. What can I say? I like I it as well. I, I think it's – I would like to see it with a little more sweetness to it. For me, it's too acidic, too, too sour. It needs to, it needs to, there needs to be some sweetness balance to it as it sort of winds up in my palate. There's a lot of tan coming through. I also get like a perfumey thing, which I don't, I don't really know where that comes from, but yeah, I mean, I think overall, you know, you got that red wine grape going a little bit of the tan from the Oak. You get, that's definitely in there as well. Um, you got the color right ish, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's. There's a sweetness level that needs to be in there as well. I give it a 36. Kind of, 36? Okay. Yeah. We're within seven. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying about I, I love sour beer. It's maybe a little too sour and blending. And as you're saying, maybe a little bit of sweetening, which probably would involve some blending, would be yeah. what, what I would do to make it be a little better. Because the the sweet the, the sour that I get is 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 almost like a lime juice sour. Interesting. Yeah, that's the bright tartness. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like a really bright tartness, but with like a tannic, you know, overtones. Eric, what do you think? Do you have this? You have this with you? Um, well, I have what has continued to ferment for another couple of years, uh, uh, so I just pulled this <laughs> out of the because uh, we did. We did. I think we ended up with like sixteen something gallons. We pulled off five gallons each two years ago, and uh, okay. they've been in various states of uh being in refrigerators that kind of thing uh so the one i just pulled off honestly after four plus years was is uh more acetic it's a little sherry you know i think it's i think it's gone beyond kind of where it needs to be at this point but i I I did have it recently at the livermore beer fest and uh was a little surprised at how well it it held up Uh, i am kind of a fan of face punching sours and you know, I'm a, a, a little sad that they're harder to find now that, every, you know, everything's a kettle sour. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's know, true. Kind of, I mean, there, there used to be of, a balance between those two things. Yeah. You know, you used yeah. to be able to find, a, you know, a middle of the road. But now it's like it's just like what we did with hops. Let's, yeah. let's take something cool and see how far we can push it before it becomes undrinkable. <laughs> you know, right. we did that with alcohol. We did that with hops and we did that with sours and everything inevitably sort of ends up pulling back a little bit. But I think with sours, the pendulum swung too far. And you're right. Now we all we have is kettle sours, which are easy to do ish, you know, right. on the grand scheme of things, but rarely yeah, do they taste I, the same. I like that mouth watering in the back of my jaw, you know, that just kind of tightens up for a minute. And then, you know, the big, the big thing for me and, uh, you know, I've, I've introduced a lot of people's sours is take the second sip, you know, the first one, even if it's a sour that you know and you've had before and you like, it's you know it's still a little shocking to the palate. Take the second sip, and all of a sudden you're going to find the fruits and all the other layers of things. And so, yeah, um, I used to always say like, well. if you're going to introduce sour beer to people, 
don't call it a beer. Because instantly people, you know, you think a beer, if they've never heard of a sour beer or had a sour beer, they go beer. Well, okay. Like a Budweiser or what a stout or some <laughs> shit. And yeah. it'll, it'll like fry, it'll flip their wig so much. We're like, I'm not, I don't yeah. want this or so spit it out flip, or whatever. But if you go, wig. yeah, here's the thing that's a sour drink. Don't think of yeah. it as a beer. And I think it sort of strips everything much like the enamel off my teeth with this beer. Um, Want to try something interesting? Yeah. yeah, it sort of strips. It sort of strips away any sort of preconceived notions, and it you just go, "Okay, sweet. whatever." And I think that yeah. maybe can get people to open up as well. And like, okay, let's let's take another one, and then inevitably, I, I think I think you'll like it. I think people will like yeah. it. Well, that's interesting. You More sherry, like that sounds is, good. I, I'm gonna hop in real quick, Eric. I thought it was interesting. I got a tiny, tiny hint of acetic, which I didn't write down because it was super, super low. And it's interesting that two years later you're getting acetic because that would yeah. make sense because acetic is like it, it increases in the presence of oxygen and two years is going to just give it more and more opportunity to have oxygen come in. So I can understand that you're, what you're tasting is probably a little more like Duchess in terms of acetic. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it was in a big 30-gallon uh, speedle fermenter that I was like, okay, well, this thing will be sour forever. And so we put 17 gallons mm. of sour in it and that was fine, you know, cause it fermented there. And then we tossed the, 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 uh, the cultures in and everything. Yeah. But then eventually we drained 10 gallons out of it, left five gallons in it, draining that five gallons out, introduced oxygen that's been sitting in it for a couple of years. Right. It it's, might be it's good. Un, it's unavoidable, especially in that kind of circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could put another batch of uh, sour, you know, uh, beer onto it or beer to be soured onto it. And it would take off happily. I would think. <laughs> sure. I'm Absolutely. willing. I'm willing to do that. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. You guys want to give We're us the recipe bottle taps right now. What's your address? You guys want to give us the recipe for this? 3020 Burnell Avenue. Pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so fermentables, we had, it was a 20 gallon batch. We ended up with, like, like he said about, you know, maybe, 16 or so gallons of finished beer in the end and in the fermenter, but 56 pounds total of fermentables, two row base. We had 44 pounds, uh, candied, uh, dark sugar, four pounds, corn sugar, four pounds, acidulated malt, two pounds, carafa, two, one pound and special B one pound. Um, hops wise, there's, um, 10 ounces total in a 20 gallon batch, uh, eight ounces of that is sterling and uh, two ounces of Styrian Goldings. The sterling, well, the Styrian Goldings is added at 90 minutes, two ounces of that. And the sterling, uh, four ounces at 30 minutes and uh, four ounces at one minute. Um, so you, it's basically a Belgian dark strong base recipe. Mm, okay. uh, the original gravity on this was 1084. And um, after primary, it fermented down to 1020. I'm really tempted to check the gravity on this again and just see where it's at because I suspect it's lower than that. It tastes drier than 1020. Yeah, it, it tastes a lot drier than 1020. And it was it was sweeter in its younger days. But uh, you same, know, this one is bro. Same in a in a keg under carbonation. <laughs> so it's you know it, it it's probably not getting as acetic. I'm not getting a a ton of acetic, but interestingly, we entered it in NHC a couple of years ago. One of the judges got a lot of acetic in it and scored it a little lower, but not, another judge gave it a 37. Who who was uh, uh you know 
well-known judge and home club president around this area. Harindu, what do you want to say? You want to jump uh, in? Yeah, I was going to say like the one that Eric has, right? I mean, I I felt that that one was a little lighter in color and probably has, uh, is is Briar. Look at, yeah, look at the color difference between Brian and his. Uh, I think it's probably fermented further and uh, maybe... Acetobacter, or you know, if it's become more acidic as it has continued to evolve, same size glass, yeah, it's still darker, I think, for you. Yeah, I think so. It's, 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 you know, it's got a lot of the, the, you know, the sour and, and a good touch of the acetic, but it's not totally unpleasant, but it does, it does certainly have a sherry nose on it that it didn't used to have. Or, yeah. or that did that it didn't have when I had it a few weeks ago at the Livermore Beer Fest, you know, from when it had been in a keg, you know, yeah. being uh, um, under PO two. Yeah. Uh, yeast wise, we we added a w, WLP five thirty Abbey Ale yeast and from a big starter. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got out the the five liter flask for that one, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, on that thing for a couple of days. Yeah. It was a happy starter. Um, so we added six pounds of organic uh, dried Zante currants at about three months in. And that's when we added the um, the Britannomyces to it. So Vinny lets it ferment out with the primary, the Belgian yeast. And then he adds the Brett. And then um, a couple of months later, adds the Rosalaire to um, get it souring. So I think you want to get that. He wants to get that the Brett yeast chewing on it and, and, uh, and then add the Rosalaire to sour it so that yeast has a good chance to give it a little, and I get a kind of a leathery, you know, Brett character out of it. I don't remember if you guys said anything much about, uh, Brett, but then, um, so we didn't finish it until, you know, it was like six months and then two months and it just sat and it sat and it sat and sat and I go over to Eric's place and see in his basement, like, Oh, how's that doing it? Oh, we should finish that and do something with it. Get it, take it off, and like, yeah, taste it once in a while. It's like, yeah, it's I almost. I think there ready. might have been a couple nights where we had some. We were drinking some sours and threw a little dregs in there too. Yeah, I know there was a little love child dregs going on in there. Yeah, it's not going to hurt it. <laughs> um, so then a couple years later, we decided to enter an NHC. So it was brewed in 2017, March, uh, March 5th, 2017. We didn't keg it until early um, 2019, probably around the same time of the year. Um, and Eric has some really good bottles of wine down there in his wine cellar. And we, you picked a good bottle of cab to put the oak chunks in. I think we still had the little original chunk of the, the, the one from Russian river, but it's not going to do much at that point. I've been through two batches in my system here. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it's for, just there for, for effect, you know, yeah. Right. yeah. Some new Oak and nostalgia. Yeah. Right. And, right. and a good red wine. And then we kind of blend it until we were happy with it uh, with the, the red wine and, and the, the Oak chunks and got, got that in there for a while. Cool. Um, probably seven days or something on the Oak, I would think. And, but I don't know. Yeah. And pull, I think we had, strings on it was it spirals and we pulled the oak out of there i'm trying to remember what the they were the kind of the flat um the stage kind of yeah the, yeah the flat ones yeah 
So we put those in there on strings and pulled it out when we were done. I felt like it was good. I entered it in NHC. And again, it scored like mid thirties then, but I think it was young then. I think it's gotten better over time. And thank you for the the generous score, Brian, and and uh, the reasonable score, JP. I was I'm always scoring a little high, but you know what? I I, I just scored that if I didn't know you. There when you I go. taste a beer like this, and I know how hard it is to make, it is you know more beers, m- most advanced kit, of course, and uh, on the this is our most advanced kit. Like it, it really is a challenge to make this beer, and and I was happy with the way it came out, and it was fun brewing this uh, with Eric, and we learned something every time we brew together uh, on his system. And well, there you and, go. That's the point. Uh, and, we're gonna take a quick yeah. break. Hang on a sec. We'll be right back. This is Doctor. All right. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Back to the examination. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We're wrapping things up here with Brian Cooper. He sent us in two beers. Sent us. He gave us two beers. Um, how do we? F- for me, a guy who's never brewed a sour beer intentionally, uh, um, I want to see more more sweetness, more body in this. How would Brian Cooper brew this for me? How would how would he if he wanted to add more body to this? How would he do that? Well, drink it younger, or maybe <laughs> brew it stronger. But it's sure, already okay. at like a nine percent beer. It's you know, it's up. There. There's got to be a way. Part about making this stronger is that if it were a normal beer, you'd say something like, "Oh yeah, you add more fermentables." Like a, you go the pastry stout route where there's so much sugar that it can't possibly ferment out. You know, you'd add, you'd say something like, um, maybe you'd uh, add some maltodextrin, some long chain unfermentable sugars. That's the better answer. Mm. You know, add like maybe a pound of something that's that's not fermentable. But for sour beers, the sour bacteria will eat all of that. In fact, they prefer uh, the longer chain starches and sugars. So yeah, wood sugars. There's they nothing, love. There's there's nothing. That's why there's, there's not really a sour beer out there with a full body. There's nothing you can put in there that that bacteria is not going to chew up and convert to alcohol. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, I disagree with the first with, with your first assertion. Milkshakes and all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, but again, that's I think part of that, like with pastry stout, is you just overload. You put so much sugar in, the yeast eats all they can, and the alcohol gets to a toxic level and they die. Yeah, right. and that's partly why I don't like why pastry stout's good for like an ounce. I'll sip on an ounce of that. Like, yeah, that's I'm good. I, that's I don't need more. No, I'm 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 fine. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. No well, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think there are plenty of sour beers out there that have more sweetness to it eventually. And I think that there is a way maybe maybe blending. I don't know. But uh, over time, well, you're right. I think all the all the all the bugs in there are just going to eat whatever's in there. So over time, it's just it's sort of moot anyways. But but it's yeah. weird to say traditional Belgian beers do this. But traditional Belgian beers can back sweeten with saccharin. Mm. And that's been that that shit sounds modern, but it's been around forever. And you know, people that back even you know World War II era, I mean, you'd back sweeten with saccharin because it was a, something that would sweeten it that the bacteria couldn't eat. Mm. Interesting, or or wouldn't eat whatever yeah. the. I'm not a biochemist, but I I do know that like they'll eat back the the sour bacteria will eat natural sugars, natural starches. They love that shit. Uh, saccharin, whatever it is, uh, it's you know man-made. And whatever its molecular structure is, is not something that those bacteria will target and eat. Interesting. We should probably listen to them. Not eat it either. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper, what are, you, what are you doing there, dude? I'm putting it in a, a hydrometer, some of the beer that I'm... What's the reading? It's got, it's got carbonation in it. Surprisingly, it is it is up towards it is still up towards ten twenty. It's wow, wow. And I heard I've heard Vinny won't bottle it unless it's down to ten oh eight or lower. And he Jeez. won't, he won't that bottle it. Gotta affect it though. Yeah, and he he puts a wine yeast in the bottles to ferment to in the bottle, but it's still around ten twenty. Crazy. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is this kind of confirms something that Jamil has said multiple times on Brew Strong, which is that your palate can't detect the final gravity and it, it, something can taste really dry and like this and be 1020, like you just measured and something could be like a 1005 or 1002. It might taste like it needs more fermentation Yeah, and that your tongue is pre, your palate's pretty sensitive and it's a pretty good indicator, but it's not a hundred percent right all the time. That's right. Yeah, that's- Unless it's spitting facts, you know what I mean? Oh hell yeah, yeah, bro! There's definitely right. some sugars in there still. So, are we done? I, don't know. I think we're good. I think, I think we're, we're done? done. All right. Thank you guys. Cool. Brian, yeah, Eric. Thanks, thanks for, for joining beers, us, man. man. I appreciate that was really it. Cool. It was fun. Next yeah. time we'll got- get some of uh, JP's beers on. Yeah, mine. Mine. Uh, I got too lazy. I was like, I'm not, I don't really. I don't have anything to put it in. I sort of just didn't. I sort of uh, spoke out of turn when I said I'll share my beer, but my beer's not. Mm-hmm. I know what I did wrong. I just, I, I beat it to hell and it's not very good. But uh, I definitely will brew something soon. And Shar, you should yeah. brew something too. Eric, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. And Harindu, thank yeah, you very much, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it as well. Nice, nice, nice seeing you, Harindu. Thanks for coming on the show. And if you want to be on the show, thanks for having me. Um, you can email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com and he will get you on the show. He send us a beer, a mead, a wine, a cider. Bucha, sour, I don't know, man. Whatever, fucking hot sauce. <laughs> Ferment something, and uh, and we'll uh, you know we'll judge it here. And like we did with uh, Bill's ciders, we will get the appropriate judge to come on, even if we don't know anything about it. So uh, there you go. Thank you very much That's for right. tuning in, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you later.